Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor for Information Security Media Group. I'm at InfoSec Europe in London, speaking with Richard Mias of Akamai. He's Enterprise Security Architect Manager for Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Richard, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Martin. Tell me, please, about DDoS trends. What are you seeing? It's very interesting. The, the market over the last four to five years for DDoS has gone through several important shifts. The, the first major DDoS market we saw was uh, the PCs being uh, attacked and used as botnets. So this was generally down to emails that are being uh, infected with malware, and this allowed the PCs to be uh, infected and got onto botnets. What was the impetus for that? Were attackers monetizing those botnets in order to launch spam? They, they, they were, but they're also used for, as, um, by script kiddies. By, the, the monetization part wasn't really used to a great extent at that point. We tend to see it as more from the hacktivist point of view. Um, and this was sort of brought into part by things like WikiLeaks and, and, and those aspects. But those attacks were very large, but very, the, the attack vector was very large, but the actual sizes were quite small. And the amount of bots you needed to create the attack um, was, was very large, but the, the actual effect was very easy to mitigate in the sense that it took a long time to, to grow, you could be able to put your, a lot of mitigation in process to be able to do that. With the second generation of attacks, which came in part in QCF, which was the Alcazar Cyberfighters, Cyberfighters, what was happening then is that they decided to look at, rather than infecting PCs, they would go after infecting web servers, such as WordPress, so that they could actually put payloads onto them and use them as an attack vector. The benefit of doing this is that a server that's providing web content is generally on a symmetric data connection, not on an ADSL connection. The web servers, once they're compromised, may not ever get patched and therefore you have a fairly good attack point for a long time to come. As most PCs in the old days would get patched eventually or they'd go offline or they'd be on a symmetric data network, an asymmetric data network. So we tend to find that the actual attack vectors the size of the attacks would go up, but the actual number of nodes required to make the attack would go down substantially. This meant that they could launch far greater size of attacks in a far shorter period of time. And now that was the Operation Abbeville attacks that we saw. Absolutely. Yeah, the, I think you said the Alcazam. Alcazam, Alcazam yes. Cyberfighters, or the QCF, yes. And they were the most high-profile group that was doing these attacks, but were they the only ones... There were other people that were utilizing the functionality. I think the, the QCF were very good at publicizing the fact that the, the toolkits were um, not unique in that process. And what were some of those toolkits? I think you mentioned Brobot. Well, Brobot was the most common one. Um, this is the It's OK, No Problem Bro, to give it its, its, its full and very mouthy name. Um, and th this was a, the name was coined because it was utilized as a, um, a response phrase from a compromised WordPress server when it's actually been successfully uh, compromised and that was the response went back to the command and control center. And then the next stage after that, the, the third stage, was actually beginning to use the internet against itself. So before it had relied a lot upon um, getting PCs or web servers or other um, aspects of it infected to a certain extent to provide a source for attack. Now we're able to use the internet against itself. 
This is by using a lot of the internet protocols such as SSDP, NTP, DNS as reflection servers. Uh, SSDP has been the most prevalent in 2014. This went from being completely unknown about in 2013 to providing virtually one in every five DDoS attacks today. Um, and this is a classic example of, 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 uh, of an obscure protocol that you know, is normally would never used on the open internet, but happens to be present in, in, in the majority of um, home DSL routers. And, and if exposed, this can be utilized as a reflector in a amplified DDoS reflection attack. And so old style, you would overwhelm with packets. Newer style, you're often targeting, is it applications, more application layer attacks, or protocol level attacks? With the reflection attacks, this is UDP. So you're, you're all about, it's all about volume. It's all about just giving, generating large amounts of traffic. And that still works? That still works. You know, the, 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 big, the big stick still works. Um, and it's tremendously effective. You can very easily generate uh, attack sizes well in excess of 100 and 200 gigabits per second with the amplified reflection because a lot of the toolkits will be able to generate 150 to 200 times application. So the actual amount of traffic you need to generate is amplified massively. So to generate that 100 gigs, you don't need a huge amount of source traffic to do that. And that's where the, the power now comes is because you can, with this, that small amount of source traffic, you can quickly ramp up and get very large attack sizes in excess of 200 gigabits per second within a matter of minutes. So, unfortunately, it's no longer very easy to see the attack coming. It's just, it is, they just come up and, and stick it behind you and, and smack you in the face. So what have been some of the changes in how businesses can or should go about defending against these types of attacks as they evolve? I think there's been a, a general move to the cloud in the last few years as it's become more and more prevalent that with the volume of the attacks, these can no longer be uh, mitigated at purely on the edge or um, within a local ISP. As the attacks get larger and larger, it really needs to be dealt with on a global basis. So we've seen a sort of steady shift to the cloud uh, as a whole. Um, but not just only for things like DDoS mitigation, which is obviously a, a very good example for where cloud-based mitigation is very useful, but also for application security as well. Um, application security is now seen as a, as a very good tool to be put into the cloud, especially for looking after you know, uh, maintaining availability and uh, integrity for corporate websites and, and secure uh, websites as well. Um, and to, to that end, we, we have a, a very large and extensive uh, web application firewall, which we've been developing over a number of years at Akuma, that um, already protects a, a huge number of, of clients on a global basis. Um, and we've just introduced a, a new functionality into that called client reputation. Um, and this is something that we've seen a, a huge positive take-up from our, from, our, uh, from our beta customers and our trials and the new customers that are taking it up now. And what this allows you to do is that within the generic framework of the cloud-based WAN, we're able to look at the source IPs of the traffic that's coming in and give it a score uh, based upon the reputation of that IP. Now, the reputation of that IP is, ge is generated through a... Uh, a very complex suite of algorithms and tools that we have with an Akuma. Now, the information for that, the intelligence for that, comes from the fact that Akuma sees a huge proportion of the internet on a daily basis. Many, we, we, we estimate somewhere between 15 to 30% of the internet would go through one of our nodes. 
So because of that, that intelligence allows us to feed this all in and look at this on a, uh, an hourly basis and find out which of the, uh, the malforming IP, which of the IPs that are causing the, uh, who did the vulnerability scans, which of the IPs that are doing the DDoS attacks, which of the IPs that are doing the scraping. And we can then put these into a database and provide this as a source for our customers. So, and then the customers can then have a decision based upon the level of threat that we have seen from that particular IP. And it's not just a binary one or zero, it's a sliding scale from zero to ten. And that reputation is dependent upon multiple factors that we see. So if they're performing multiple SQL injection attacks or scans, then obviously the threat goes higher. Um, but it will decay over time. If we stop seeing um, malicious activity from that IP, it will decay over time and the score will change. And how do customers consume that information? They can do it through Akamai's network. Is there a plan in place or a capability in place to feed that in somehow to a threat intelligence framework or to help them push it into different parts of their network that maybe Akamai might not be touching but they would like to safeguard? The information comes through the WAF and has to be integrated through the, the, the WAF as a whole because that's the, the framework upon which it runs. But the, the, the intelligence that we have through that is available through the API. So you could then plug in and, and pull out those comments. Richard, thank you very much. For Information Security Media Group, this is Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining us.